there comes a point in every fantasy player's season where he takes a hard look in the mirror and thinks to himself, where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? What team screwed me over? What player? At the end of the year, it never matters. All that matters is the ruins. What's left of your team? The player that wasn't even drafted. The waiver wire stream. Damn it, you're on your sixth quarterback this season. So we at Run the Gauntlet have one question for you. How will your season be defined? And what was your story? Man, I don't know how the hell this happened, right? I take a tight end in the fifth round. This guy's a stud. A backup quarterback comes in. Nick Foles doesn't want to throw the ball to Zach Ertz. Why the hell can't Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey be productive at the same time? Why the hell is he getting 4.2 fantasy points? PPR points at that. I can't. I just can't even. I had Adam Thaley. He was the best receiver in the league. What happened? He hasn't been doing anything, dude. He screwed my entire season. Week 13, I lost by two points. Adam for the brand Vinatieri. Goose egg. I hadn't had to pay attention to my flex in weeks. Josh Gordon had been filling it in. No problems asked the entire time. Then he had to take a drug test. You have Todd Gurley in week 14. You big ass got in the playoffs. You were 6-7. First year in the league, right? Rolled in, I got Gurley. I'm on a four-game win streak. I made my comeback. Todd Gurley drops 8.8. PPR. I had him in a standard if he did even less. Dude, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. What world are we living in where Derrick Henry gets five times the amount of yards as Saquon Barkley in a given week? You know who I played? 15. I played a trio of Josh Allen, Mike Williams, and some guy not named Arian Foster, but now Foster plays receiver for the Bills. I had Adam Table. Dude, it feels like DraftKings is the only way I could enjoy this season, which is why I need the value picks. I got you covered, bro. Let's take down that GPP, baby. And anyone lucky enough to be in your championship. Start sits are necessary, and we are here for you. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Run the Gauntlet Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Jimmy LeBeau. Sitting next across from me is Justin Alfiero. Well, guys, um, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that. Before we go any fo- further, please check out Run the Goat One on Facebook. Check out the Game Changer Sports Network on Facebook, GameChangerSportsNetwork.com, Game Changer Sports Network on YouTube, also on Instagram, Game Changer Sports Network, and also Run the Gauntlet on Instagram. Run the Gauntlet, all lowercase ff is our tag. Please give us a shout, comment, DM us, let us know your start set questions, and we will get back to you at... In a somewhat timely manner. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're usually pretty good with getting back to people. Like, we haven't had too many questions, but usually we're pretty on top of it. Um, We want to start off this episode, we're talking to talk about some value plays for DraftKings. We're going to coincide that with our starts. So all the players that we're kind of talking about here, we do kind of recommend starting in season long. Because we think they're going to have a good week. We're going to talk about some sits. 
And we're going to talk about some boom some boom options for this week. It's the championship. I don't like to go into things thinking pessimistically. We're going to think optimistically here on this episode. And we're going to take down that championship, baby. All right, so you want to start off with some DraftKings value plays? Yeah, well, uh, my value play and basically my start of the week, I actually have uh, Nick Chubb versus Cincinnati. And with the um, with the Tyler Boyd news, this is even more. Uh, this makes this even more desirable for me. The offense of the Cincinnati Bengals is led by Jeff Triskel, John Ross, Josh Malone, Cody Core, Alex Erickson. I mean, this is a problem. Joe Mixon's on the offense, uh, but I think it's safe to say that the Bengals are only getting worse this season. It's only getting worse and worse and worse for the Bengals. This is probably going to lead to the inevitable, or what we think is inevitable at this point, Marvin Marvin Jones. He's gone too. Marvin Lewis being out in Cincinnati. Uh, I think that this is going to be good game flow for Nick Chubb. And uh, Cincinnati obviously leads the league in points per game allowed to the running back position. I think it's a perfect matchup. Yeah, man, Nick Chubb is a really good option. Um, listen, any running back versus Cincinnati Bengals, awesome. Nick Chubb just had a monster week last week versus the Denver Broncos. He dropped twenty-seven point eight last time he versed the Bengals as well in PPR format. So I think that's amazing. Sticking in that game at the quarterback position, I think Baker Mayfield at sixty-one hundred is a steal. Currently priced is like the QB ten. But you're getting a low end QB one option. I think they can give you high end QB one upside in prime time in one of the hardest environments in football for a young or veteran quarterback. Baker not only pulled out the upset, but also had two scores and a pick on 18 of 31 passing. His numbers don't look like a rookie anymore, Matt. He looks really productive. He's versing a really weak secondary that last time in Week 12 when they played each other, he threw four touchdowns against. I don't think Cincinnati is any... They've only gotten worse. Yeah. That's my point. And it's only going to be harder to play the Browns on the road than it was at home. Yeah, I agree with that. And Baker, you know, there, there is still a Cinderella's chance that the Cleveland Browns, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, that the Cleveland Browns can make the AFC playoffs. Speak of the AFC playoffs, how about that Patriots game? I'm looking at that game. I'm looking at Robert Foster at 4,900 versus New England. Uh, over the past five weeks, Robert Foster, maybe you haven't heard the name yet, maybe you have. Uh, he's quietly been one of the best wide receivers in fantasy football. In that five-week stretch, he has three games of 100-plus yards, and he has two touchdowns to go with. And um, he's guaranteed for the lion's share of uh, however many worthwhile targets you could get from Josh Allen, because some of them are just uncatchable, let's be honest here. But he's going to get the ball thrown to him by Josh Allen. They seem to have a connection. Uh, and New England's defense is weak, along with the fact that the team just kind of looks like it's reeling just a little bit. While I kind of like to pump the brakes when I speak about New England like that, because I feel like every season they have a moment where everyone's just asking the questions and then they answer them, I do think that Robert Foster is definitely a high upside play at 4,900 this week. Yeah, Robert Foster definitely has incredible upside. In the past month, he's been averaging over 15 fantasy points per game. And that's incredibly impressive for a guy that's wildly unknown. Came out of nowhere. Ago. Yeah. Um, I really like Tevin Coleman this week at the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Let me put it like this. Edo Smith, he's out. Yeah, for the De- year. Devontae Freeman, he's out. It's the Tevin Coleman show, people. Tevin Coleman is by himself for the pa- versus a Panthers team that I, figured, that I figured to trail most of the game versus the Atlanta Falcons because they have a backup quarterback starting. 
Dan Quinn is a defensive coach. He was hired by the Atlanta Falcons to call defensive plays. He's going to throw the whole playbook at this kid. And you know what? That's excellent game flow opportunities for Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman last week had 11 carries for 145 yards and a score versus the Arizona Cardinals. And in week five versus the Carolina Panthers, had 16 attempts at 107 yards and four receptions. Tevin Coleman's a high upside play at 4,800. I think that's a steal. I don't think I could argue it. Um, another guy in the 4,000s, we have Evan Ingram at 4,600. Without Odell Beckham Jr., I think what's cool about Evan Ingram is that he's the first guy that's passed the uh, tier of 5,000-plus tight ends. And, I mean, he's giving you comparable value, I think, at the very least, for $1,000 less. He had 12 targets last week. As you watch the Giants, we live in New York, it looks like he's starting to get a little more ingratiated into the offense. Uh, and I maybe he just took some time off the injury. I think Odell Beckham being out helped him. And again, I think for $1,000 less, you have the potential of an Eric Ebron, a Zach Ertz, uh, a Rob Gronkowski, or even better this week. Who knows? Oh, absolutely. Man's yeah. due for a touchdown as well, quite frankly, in my eyes. Yeah, listen, anytime a tight end gets 10-plus targets... Take notice. And then the week before, also had seven targets, I believe it was. Something to that effect. You have to take notice of that. Evan Ingram, the year prior, when Odell Beckham went down... Evan Ingram was getting wide receiver target share numbers in New York. Evan Ingram versus the Indianapolis Colts has high upside potential. I love Evan Ingram. I'm starting him in the one league I made the championship, and I have high hopes for him. Um, Eli McGee, 4,700 versus the Green Bay Packers. Eli McGuire, I call him McGee. I was about to say, I don't even know who that is. Eli McGuire. Okay. Eli McGuire. Elijah McGuire, for those of you who... Wouldn't have a, a pet name for him because you're not a Jet fan. Yes, very good, very good. Maybe not a certain terminology. Okay. In the past two weeks, he has two touchdowns, six receptions, and 35 carries. Beautiful value. Was he efficient? No. Hell no. Hell no. He was not efficient at all. But touches are the name of the game for running backs in fantasy football. Yeah, and you know what? I really do believe that his versatility will make him a valuable asset versus the Green Bay Packers. Will the Jets want to attack the game by running the ball and keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field? Or they have to attack the game by staying on the field and throwing the ball? Eli McGuire will be on the field in both instances, and he will get a nice usage rate in both of those instances. And they like Eli McGuire in New York. They really do. At these, at They've these, been talking about him since last season. Jets running back coach, I know I've said it once on the show before, compared him to David Johnson. Because he coached David Johnson. It's coming from the Arizona Cardinals tree. And LaDainian Tomlinson at that. but that, we, that's, could, we could just we, leave that alone. Yeah. Elijah McGuire, guys. Yeah, exactly. Even David Johnson mentioning that name is absurd. Yeah. But I think it's a, I think it's a nice option. Yeah, and sticking in the same game for the same reasons on the other side of the field, you have Jamal Williams. Another guy I like. Uh, listen, at 5400 right, we talk about these value plays. We talk about lower prices. I challenge you to look back and tell me when you had 17-plus touches, most likely guaranteed out of a running back, at $5,400 versus the Jets on DraftKings. It's a beautiful opportunity. You don't get presented with very often. Most of the time, a starting running back is going to be 6000 or more, maybe 59 at the very least. 5400 is a beautiful price for Jamal Williams. Very productive last week as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? If that game goes in a more conventional you know, thinking, you know, I'm a Jets fan, so I'm calling it unconventional so the Jets have a chance. But nine people out of ten are probably going to take the Packers over the Jets in this game. And that's because Aaron Rodgers is just – unleashing all of his unmitigated anger about not making the playoffs on a, on a young secondary like We've the Jets. We've been waiting for him to unleash that anger. Where is he? I don't know, man. I mean, granted, he has two interceptions all year. He's been he's been playing fine. 
He's been playing just fine, Aaron Rodgers. It's just the injury held hurt him. That kind of hurt his upside, as well as the fact that people couldn't catch balls at the beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, he's working with a pretty much new group of guys this year. They got rid of a lot of their depth from last year and replaced it with new guys, along yeah. with the fact that they got rid of Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb hasn't been able to stay on the field. Obviously, Jimmy Graham was a new acquisition at the beginning of the season. It's late in the season. But this isn't the same group of guys that Rodgers had out on the field for him last year or in previous years, other than Devontae Adams, which obviously is working just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my next guy, staying at the um, running back position, Marlon Mack versus the New York Giants. Nothing wrong with that. At 5,500, Marlon Mack has an RB1, like, top six upside in this game, in my opinion. Often enough, may I add, does he do things like that? Yeah, the Giants without OBJ, I figure to be down early and often versus the Indianapolis Colts. That's why I love him and Ingram so much, is that the game flow is totally in his favor. But... Favorable for tight ends on the opposing team is favorable for the running back on the on the other team. Yeah. If the Colts are going to be up early, it's going to be the Marlon Mack show. Giants' pass defense has been excellent this year as well, actually. Yeah. So they're going to attack the run. And in their past seven games, the Giants have been absolutely getting shredded on the ground. I think they've allowed something like 800 yards. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And his last in last week, Marlon Mack ran for 27 carries. 139 yards and two touchdowns versus a Dallas Cowboys front that, in my opinion, is a lot more intimidating than a Giants front. I would agree with that as well. They they took it to the Cowboys. I'm a Colts fan. Let's let's talk real fast. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, that was amazing what they did to the Cowboys. Uh, shows that they're for real. And funny that we talk about the Cowboys now because I have Amari Cooper down here as a value play versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm going to tell you, this depends essentially on to Cowboys are so polarizing. It depends as to which side you're on, right? If you think that the Cowboys are for real, while also thinking that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers suck, then you would have no choice but to come to the conclusion that Amari Cooper is going to go off versus Tampa Bay this week. Interesting thing about Tampa Bay this year. A lot of people know they're a good matchup, right? They've allowed the ninth most points to fantasy wide receivers this year and the 11th most receptions. But what makes this even better for Amari Cooper is that they're actually the 11th least targeted defense at the wide receiver position while giving up all those points and receptions. The only person that the Cowboys throw to is Amari Cooper and, and, and Zeke, obviously. And at that point, you have like four receptions for the other guys. Amari Cooper, if he were to get peppered with targets, which you don't see often against Tampa Bay, if he were to get peppered with targets, he has huge upside. He's two weeks removed from a 10-touchdown. 10 10-touchdown, 10 that'd be crazy. 10-reception, 217-yard, 3-touchdown performance. I think you have a huge week here out of Amari Cooper. Yeah, I love Amari Cooper as well. He was my next guy. Um, Look at the trends, people. Trends matter in fantasy football. Absolutely. In Week 12, Amari Cooper had 41 fantasy points. In Week 13, Amari Cooper had 14.6 fantasy points. In Week 14... Amari Cooper had 52.7 fantasy points. In week 15, Amari Cooper had 8.3. Week 16, I don't know. You, I mean, you do the math, but he tends to like to triple or quadruple the number that he put up the week before. Just for fun. And he's starting at 8, so I don't think a 24-point outing is unreasonable for Amari Cooper. Absolutely not. In fact, I, I would say that, that 17 plus is, is more than likely. Yeah. And yeah, at that I, point, how wrong can you go? Because you get his upside. At 7,500? At like the 20th, that's a wide receiver one and a half. Uh-huh. And that's about ends of wide receiver one. It's like an early, early, early two, 13. That's what you're paying price. for, though. Yeah, exactly. With with the upside of uh, clearly 40 plus, 
I hope the Cowboys are on fire Sunday. I'm gonna I'm gonna stack the Cowboys and draft games pretty hardcore. Sticking with that game, Dak Prescott. Speaking of stacking the Cowboys, home versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like we said, at fifty-seven hundred. I like that matchup as well. Like, come on. Versus a tough Colts secondary, and may I add, incredibly underrated pass rush. Dak was unable to get anything going. Right? Mm-hmm. He did, however, complete 62% of his passes. It's a good percentage. Now, versus a weak Bucks defense at home, Dak has bounce back potential. Price has QB 14 with potential to be 8 or better, depending on how the running goes. I agree with that. And I think his floor, if he's QB 14, I think his floor is QB like, what, 15, 16? I don't see him getting below that too much. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely not below that. Yeah, I don't think his range to drop is as high as his range to range to. Um, he, could, he could be top five. Yeah, he could be top five for the week. Uh, I have DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's a layup, right? He's the second most expensive receiver, right? So you have Julio Jones at eighty-seven, and you have DeAndre Hopkins at eighty-six. Uh, if I were to take a guess this week, I would say that DeAndre Hopkins should have the best week for wide receiver. Uh, Philly provides no match for the Texans squad, not the whole team. I mean, I think Philly could play with the Texans. I don't think their secondary presents a match. For the connection of Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, this is a team that two weeks ago had allowed that game to Amari Cooper. And uh, have we forgotten the Traquan Smith breakout in week 11 that happened versus the Philadelphia Eagles as well? Very inexperienced secondary. Lots of injuries. And this Texans team still has a lot to play for, even though they're 10-4. and four. They're playing for a potential first-round bye still. Technically, if they were to lose out and the Colts were to win out, the division isn't safe either. Um... I, I mean, I'm looking at 15 targets for DeAndre Hopkins this week. I, let's do a quick over-under on the go. 15 targets. Actually, now that I said that number, I think under. 14 targets. 14 targets for DeAndre Hopkins this week. Call me crazy. I'm going to take the over. You're going to take the over. Well, at least we're on the same page thinking he's going to get a lot of them, right? Oh, yeah. He's going to get peppered with targets. I don't think the Texans are going to screw around in this game at all. You obviously want to control your own destiny. And it seemed like the Houston Texans that has been on the cusp of being a really strong playoff contender, <laughs> I think back to the year. When Basically, that, I mean, they were that with Tom Savage at quarterback and Brian Hoyer. They were still ten and six and making the playoffs. They're yeah, Osweiler too. Osweiler yeah. too. And he's garbage. Same structure. Teams in the same structure. They just have Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt's healthy. Mm-hmm. I said at the beginning of the year that if JJ Watt stayed healthy, the Texans were a Super Bowl contender. They're definitely I, scary. I don't, you don't have to be a rocket science to get that. I understand that, but, but feels good anyway. Yeah, well, dude. Some of the things that we hit on this year, which we'll have a whole episode, I think, reviewing what we hit and what we missed on, just to you know, kind of review ourselves, so you, the listener, can find out about our accuracy. But I feel pretty good about a lot of the things that we hit on this year, and I think so far in this episode, I think we're going to be spot on. I think throughout the season, we've gotten a lot better, and I think a lot of these picks. Um, I think a lot of people will be very happy if they take some of these picks. I agree with that. Um, we're gonna keep rolling, man. I think we're on a good roll here. Um. We're going to take Tyler Lockett at 5,700 versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyler Lockett, for some reason, never gets out of that 5,000. Well, I guess through target share. Or he just usually is not targeted more than five, six times in a game. Yeah. But, I mean, how often does he outplay his value? It's He always has <sighs> he always has the upside to give you what a 75 guy gives you, and it's every single week. and has a great quarterback to go with, and they have an excellent connection. I'd say 
don't how many we were. We're going into week 16. Uh, off the top of my head, I own them in a couple places. Uh, there has to be at least 11 weeks where that guy got a 20-plus yard touchdown from Russell Wilson. Not for anything. Yeah, but how many of those were accompanied by two receptions and 40 yards? That's why I looked at Tyler Lockett and I was pretty skeptical with Forge at first. Mm-hmm. And Doug Baldwin is starting to work his way back into the mix a little bit. Yeah, Tyler Lockett's starting to take a little bit of a backseat, but I think Tyler Lockett in prime time versus a weak Kansas City defense. Yeah. Don't forget, the, the Seahawks... That is a good point. I don't think they want to play Kansas City. I don't think anybody wants to see Kansas City in the playoffs. I don't think Seattle, with a 66-year-old head coach and Pete Carroll, wants to have to play, wants to have to worry about getting into the playoffs. This is their last run. And they know damn well that the Chiefs are one of their biggest threats. And losing, they don't control their own destiny anymore. Yeah, they have a lot to play for. And when you have a guy like Russell Wilson, it means so much because he's a proven quarterback. He's proven to show up to big games. Time and time again. I mean, what, what else could be said about Russell Wilson? Oh, God, we can go on. We can make a whole episode about Russell Wilson. Yeah. But to make it to condense this and make it strictly about the fantasy purposes here, Kansas City is not a very good pass defense. Kansas City is not good enough to win a Super Bowl with that defense. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Hold on. Please. Tyler Lockett, while inconsistent, will be called upon this week to see seven to eight targets. And I... Hope to God that him and Russell Wilson hit on a nice 40, 50 yarder. Because he did two weeks ago, and last week he didn't do anything. Kansas City is the game for it to happen. I think that's. Um, and Sunday uh, night football? Versus a team like Kansas City, that that is when you look at a boom guy and you're like, boom, this week. You know what I'm saying? And I think Tyler Lockett fits the bill perfectly. And again, he's still one of the biggest weapons in the offense, and they're going to have to throw. It's Kansas City. Yeah. Their secondary will. While it's been nice this year, they're, they're not holding Kansas City to less than 23, 24 points. That, that, that would be the minimum in my eyes. Uh, worth noting, I didn't bring down their price or anything because, honestly, I forgot about it. But I, I've been high on them all week, which is pretty much why I didn't look in the show prep. Um, for those of you that are um, looking for, like, the mid-tier guys that could pop off, uh, you have Taiwan Taylor and Corey Davis against Washington. Now, what I will not do is sit here and pick one over the other. As the who's go off, I'm always going to pick the guy that I literally think is better, which would be Corey Davis. But Taiwan Taylor, I think, has just as much of a chance. Mark my words here. One of these two receivers against the Redskins has to go off. Look throughout the season. The Redskins cannot stop receivers, especially when they're lined up on the outside. They One of these guys has to go off. Basically, take, take one and take a 50-50 chance with these receivers because... One of them has to give you a great output. As well as them, I have, as a suggested player, am I going to hit my most controversial one? I don't know. I want to hit all the other ones that aren't controversial. Yes, let me hit a non-controversial one. Want to hit everyone? Yeah, well, I, I have one that uh, I hope you respond well to. Uh, but I have Saquon Barkley right here. Forget the numbers, guys. Sometimes we say it's about analytics, but we do agree that sometimes it's not the analytics. I will tell you, I have been a fan of this Colts team for a very, very long time. If there was ever a chance for the Colts to stop Saquon Barkley from getting 160 all-purpose yards, it all went out the window last week when Saquon Barkley got like five point something fantasy points. There is no chance that Barkley does not go off this week. And if you look on DraftKings, he's at 7,900. 
and he's it's literally just because of that week. Obviously, it's still a price to pay, but if I pull it up real fast, it's insane. It's only 600 more than Nick Chubb, and I love Nick Chubb, but my goodness. Saquon Barkley is obviously a superior talent. Again, there's running backs at 85, 86, 87, and even up, you know what I'm saying? Christian McCaffrey with a backup quarterback at 88. Saquon Barkley versus the Colts, guys. This is money in the bank. Take it from a Colts fan. Not a chance this doesn't work. I hope you're right. I have a lot of shares of Saquon Barkley. And and I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but I can only be honest on this show. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I speak with no biases. So um, I think we covered pretty much all the starts, all the guys that we like, some value plays. No, 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 no. Oh, you have one more? I have one more value play. DraftKings only. Yeah. One, one more, more value. <laughs> one more value. All right, so this is separated. We said that the value plays and the starts for the week were kind of intermingled. Let me preface what I'm saying. This is not what I'm doing here. This is DraftKings only. At 4,000 schminks, Taylor Henke versus the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh! 4,000. Every other starting quarterback is like at least 1,600 more. And I'm going to tell you, if there was ever a week to do this, he ain't versing Jacksonville. He's not versing Buffalo. He ain't versing any. He's versing the Atlanta Falcons. Taylor Hinkey is no rookie. You may have not heard from him. I thought he was a rookie. I had no idea who he was. Old Dominion he came from. Just a little bit of backstory. Undrafted in 2015. This preseason actually had, I wish I got the quarterback rating. He had an impressive preseason. I was looking at the number. Impressive preseason this year. And he had a 4.640 coming out of the draft. He ain't no Cam Newton. But I'm sure they won't mind moving Taylor Hankey around. You have to think he has weapons like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, a lot of dink and duck yards after catch guys. And this is the Atlanta Falcons defense who allows insane amounts of receptions to receivers, insane amounts of receptions to running backs. And I think they could hit him with drag routes here, out routes there, dump offs there. And I think Taylor Hankey has a chance. I mean, how far removed are we from Nick Mullins? How far removed from here are we from that game? And it's a very, very, very good matchup at 4,000 for Taylor Hankey. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm using Taylor Hankey this, in, in at least one lineup this week. Wow. At 4,000. Wow, you should do that in the run the Gauntlet DraftKings tournament. Perhaps I will. You should do that. Perhaps now, I will. While you do that at 4,000, I'm just going to pay up less than 1,000 this 4,900. And I'm going to play the New York Jets... Future, the face of the franchise. I'll play Sam Darnold at 4,900. Tyler Sa- Henke has a better chance of oh, being the Jets' it. next oh, starter. stop it. <laughs> Sam Darnold last week versus the Houston Texans, 24 of 38, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 253 yards. Green Bay defense is young in the secondary, right? These guys aren't far removed from being torched by Sam Darnold at the college. Mm-hmm. Darnold, finally, having, having been finally able to sit under Josh McCown, is not only playing but producing at a different level since taking over the job in the second half of the season. And to go with it, Pro Football Focus ranked him as the number one quarterback in the National Football League last week. I don't care about Pro Football Focus. Uh, until analytics say otherwise, and then you're like, yeah, Pro Football Focus, like everyone does, because they're Pro Football Focus. Who did they say was the best corner in the league? I don't remember. It was some... some... It was, it, was it Mo Claiborne? At, well, at is Rich Samini in charge of Pro Football Focus? <laughs> no, Do we know anything about this? He's not. He's not. No, he's not. I smell something fishy. Listen, listen. Pro Football also had Nick Mullins as the number one rating quarterback two weeks ago. 
Boom. Bowen's balled Taylor out. Taylor Hankey all comes full circle. Number one quarterback. Uh, I, 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 I think Hankey's ballsy. I think it's an excellent play. It's just... Uh, God, I don't know if I have that in me when there's a guy at 900 more that has actually done something before. Dude, you have to risk it for the biscuit, That's man. 4,900 is the same thing. It's also a risk. It's, listen, it's it's the matchup, my friend. It's the matchup. That Atlanta matchup, we're never going to agree on that. I think Taylor Hankey is better than Sam Darnold for the week, and you're a Jets fan, so it's just, just I mean, how could we possibly argue this and either of us make any sense? Because uh, <laughs> you're not making any sense, but okay. Neither of us are. All right, let's get right into sits. Let me guess. Sam Darnold. No. No, I just didn't I what I did not I just didn't take Sam Darnold into account when I was talking about fantasy football. That's just what it was. Fair enough. So I don't just don't start him, don't sit him. I mean, why would I tell you to sit someone that's definitely in a free agency? Good point, good point. Kind of who I do have as a sit at the stuff. quarterback is not Sam Darnold, but Tom Brady versus the Buffalo Bills. I agree with you. The past seven weeks, Tom Brady has only had one 20-plus point outing. And he's only had two games with multiple touchdowns. That's as many games as he's had with no touchdowns over that stretch. One of those games versus the Buffalo Bills. This is an excellent pass defense. They just lost Josh Gordon. Terrible. Hope Josh Gordon gets well. But until then... The Patriots are left with nothing. Philip Dorsett, bum. Cordell Patterson can't play receiver. It is what it is. Tom Brady, I think, and Bill Belichick are going to run the football and dump it off to James White. I think the running backs are going to get heavy usage in this game versus the Bills. Um, At the running back position, I think a good sit candidate this week... Jalen Samuels at the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints actually have a pretty stout run defense, and Drew Brees is pretty on fire at home. He's pretty much a different quarterback at home versus on the road. And, I mean, if that's the case, it's just going to be a shootout between Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't think that really leads to a favorable um, game for, for Jalen Samuels. Yeah. Fair enough. I have Allen Robinson as a sit. Uh, maybe you've been sitting him for a while. Maybe you haven't been. Uh, but if you haven't been, I would say give up. This guy has proven that he is not a go-to receiver for this Bears team this year. The sample size is far too much to be starting him right now. And I think you're better off streaming someone with more upside. And Allen Robinson's matchup is favorable. And I still wouldn't. I, I don't want him anywhere near a starting lineup this week. Yeah, no, Allen Robinson is inconsistent across the board. He's good one week, he's bad the next. I, I just can't trust him. He's almost bad every week at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have DJ Moore as a sit. DJ Moore, home for the Atlanta Falcons. Again, Justin, who's the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers this week? Taylor Hankey. Not saying anything. Sit DJ. Listen. It's, uh, it's the third worst pass defense in the league, you know? I'm aware. I'm aware of how beneficial the matchup is. I just no, don't... yeah. Sit DJ Moore. I'm just trolling, but yeah, you know, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So for it was for DraftKings' sake only, Taylor Hankey. Uh, but I will pretend it wasn't. Yes. Uh, Mark Ingram. I think you should be sitting for it's Pittsburgh. Uh, it's just it's been a rough go this year for Mark Ingram. He only missed the four games. I think what's most alarming about Ingram, which is really the sign for me that I don't think he's going to recover this year, is how much less involved. 
he and Kamara are both in the passing game this year. And obviously Kamara is always going to be more so involved in the passing game. He had only missed four games this year. Last year, Mark Ingram finished the season with 71 targets, 58 receptions, and 416 yards. With only four games missed and two games to go, this year Mark Ingram only has 23 targets, 18 receptions, and a measly 147 yards. Add into the fact that he hasn't been half as efficient on the ground. I think you have to sit him versus Pittsburgh. I don't think game flow is even in his favor, quite frankly. I don't think they've been a good doing a good job of utilizing Ingram at all this year. I actually think this is a good get matchup for Mark Ingram. I actually think that it actually should be in his favor. It's just, you know, you can't even trust it, man. It's so inconsistent that, like, you don't even want to bark up that tree if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Another sit I have is D.D. Westbrook. I don't know what situation you guys have been in with your flexes or your wide receiver two or threes, but D.D. Westbrook has a really tough matchup versus the Miami Dolphins, and I believe Xavier Howard is still listed as questionable. And the Miami Dolphins are a really tough matchup. They have a really stout secondary and that pass rush. Without Xavier Howard, it's not as good, though, I'll say. Yes, no, Xavier Howard, honestly, the work he's doing should be Pro Bowl candidate without doubt. Yeah. Uh, my final sit for the week was um, Mike Williams versus Baltimore. Uh, Ravens are a really tough defense. Um, I think it's going to be a real test for the Chargers this week, not that they didn't just face one. But this is a team that is good for basically the opposite reasons the Chiefs are good. Uh, I think the Chargers aren't going to have the ball as much as they would have had it against the Chiefs. Uh, I think Rivers is going to be forced to uh, to lean on the god. That is Keenan Allen, and uh, I'm sorry, Michael Williams, but I do think that you're going to go back to these three reception weeks, and it's going to start this week versus Baltimore. See, I disagree with you on Mike Williams. I feel like last week was somewhat of a beginning of a coming out party for Mike Williams, heating up into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Last time we saw Mike Williams in prime time, Mike Williams had a career game. Mike Williams is a big-time player. I've been a fan of Mike Williams since the day he was drafted by the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, you have. And... Big games, big players, they make big plays. I do agree with you that he is a boomer bust option, though. I would personally not be going out of my way to sit him, but I would also not be going out of my way to start him. Yeah, I just have him on the bust. I think the defense is too good. Oh, that, that's 100% fair. Not enough opportunity. 100% fair. Um, I think this is my last sit of the week. Sterling Shepard. Yes, they don't have Odell Beckham, but I think that benefits Evan Ingram more. I think you're going to see... And Barkley. Yeah. I think Ingram and Barkley are a lot bigger beneficiaries than Sterling Shepard without Odell Beckham. Yeah. Oh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I think at that point, right, we've hit hit those DraftKings things. DraftKings things. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that's another rhyme. That's pretty good. And then we hit some sits. And uh, I think we've gone this entire time without me telling you to start an Indianapolis Colt. That's pretty... That's a milestone, no? I said Marlon Mack. I did not. I said nothing. I said nothing about the Colts other than how Barkley was going to shred them this week. That's a milestone for me. My biases are getting pushed to the side. This is great stuff. Progression, man. Progression. And on that note, I think that's... We're that's good. about it. Yeah. We're good, right? Absolutely. All right, guys. If you happen to celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. We're not going to have an episode out till afterwards, so I hope it's great for you, great for your family, all that type of stuff. And I hope for Christmas this year you get a huge win in your championship game, or if you're anything like me and Jimmy... A huge win in DraftKings. I also am competing in a couple championships. One of the leagues going down to the wire, and I am in the championship this week. So, well, if only we were all to be so lucky. Yeah, not everybody has Saquon Barkley and Melvin Gordon. That's especially not me. Uh, and on that note, I'm Justin Alfaro. Jimmy Lebo. 
We are Run the Gauntlet Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you so much, guys.